To supply his obsession for tying fly fishing lures, Edwin Riss stole almost 300 bird specimens of priceless scientific value from a British museum in 2011. Welcome to this week's historical heist. You're listening to Historical Heist. We dig into the interesting stories of theft throughout time, both ancient and current. I'm Nikki, your host for this week, and I'll be taking you through a case that has certainly ruffled a lot of feathers. Edwin Riss sat in a courtroom as a judge issued his sentence. Twelve months of suspended prison time. Probation, essentially. But Edwin shouldn't have been in that courtroom. As an acclaimed flute player, he should have been off practicing for his next concert. If not that, he should have been working on his intricate fly fishing lures, a hobby turned business that he started with his brother before either of them had turned 18. But Edwin wasn't honing his skills or selling lures. He was sitting in St. Albans Crown Court, having admitted to the theft of 299 rare bird skins from the Natural History Museum at Tring. How does one even fall into the world of fly fishing lures? When you think of fly fishing, fashion probably isn't on your mind. Ornate fly tying, that is, the act of creating artificial flies to catch fish, began with fishing, but it became an art form of its own in the late 19th century. At the same time, upper-class women were decorating their hats with brilliantly colored exotic feathers, all while fishing enthusiasts continued to collect and use the colorful plumage to adorn their own lures. This was the feather craze of the 19th century. Eventually, the art of salmon fly tying became so intricate that it developed into its own hobby. With a focus on fashion and design amongst many of the modern-day fly tires, the fish themselves don't factor much into the art. In fact, most of the modern-day fly tires, Edwin Rist included, don't even particularly enjoy fishing. And to be honest, the salmon themselves don't seem to care what the lures are made from. The exotic and colorful feathers built into the flies are meant to catch respect, not fish. Edwin Rist was as unlikely as anyone to find himself in the fly tying community. At the age of 11, he watched a VHS tape on fly tying with a seven-year-old brother found in their dad's collection of tapes. And despite the boring presentation of the video, the two brothers found themselves immediately obsessed with the art, and they began taking classes with a local expert. After a few months, the two started entering competitions, and it didn't take long to begin bringing home trophies. At the World Fly Tying Expo in Massachusetts, they encountered salmon ties for the first time. Edwin wrote about his experience in a blog post. Seeing the color and size of a real salmon fly for the first time was a very special moment. This was it. You might say we were hooked on salmon flies. We subsequently made a trip up to Maine to learn how to tie salmon flies with a pro. As the two brothers fell deeper into the hobby, they started gaining recognition amongst their peers. The flies were placed on display in museums and galleries, and Edwin began to see himself as the future of fly tying. In a way, he was right. This prediction would eventually deliver him international infamy in the fly tying community. For someone so focused on being the future of fly tying, Edwin couldn't help but look into the past for inspiration. Fly tying instructions written more than a century before Edwin's birth called for feathers that were near impossible to find in the 2000s. Dyed feathers for more common birds had become the usual replacement, but for some fly tires, that wasn't enough. In 2009, Edwin, now an adult, found himself inspired by one of the most famous classic fly recipes, 
Major Tahern's Chatterer. This recipe in particular calls for four feathers from a rare bird known by dedicated tires as the blue chatterer bird. It's easily identified by the bright teal color of its plumage. The cost of the feathers alone can make a single chatterer fly cost up to $2,000. Edwin saw the opportunity offered by the feather market to gain respect, notoriety, and a huge influx of cash, and he decided to take it. Edwin's decision to get his hands on some feathers wasn't unplanned. The fly tire left no stone unturned, and that began with choosing the Natural History Museum at Tring as his mark. Edwin's expertise in flute playing had scored him entry into the Royal Academy of Music in London, and this gave him the perfect access to scope out the nearby Natural History Museum. Prior to making his move, Edwin had posed as a photographer to gain access to the specimen vault inside the museum. He studied everything from the varieties of feathers that would give him the biggest payday to the entrance and exit routes along his path. So, on the night of June 23, 2009, Edwin Riss performed a scheduled concert with his orchestra in London before boarding the train up to the museum at Tring, a mere 45-minute ride. Empty suitcase in hand, Edwin entered the alleyway behind the museum. He climbed over the back wall, snipped the barbed wire, and tried to cut the glass of a museum window. When that didn't work, he smashed it with a rock. He wedged the suitcase through the broken window and climbed in. Rist was in the museum for hours, packing in as many rare birds as he could fit into his suitcase, tail feathers awry and disregarding their weathered paper labels. A Hollywood production might have presented Edwin numerous challenges. An alarm, security guards, dangerous chases out of the museum. Instead, Edwin found himself alone and undetected. He even lost track of time, to the extent that he missed the last train back to London, and after leaving the museum behind, he was forced to spend the night just a couple of miles away from the scene of the crime, with nearly $1 million worth of bird skins loaded into his suitcase. Once he arrived home, Edwin worked to disassemble the skins, selling them for parts on the black market. The highest bidder might get the breastplate of a striking black and red Indian crow or the emerald green resplendent quetzal to fulfill all of their fly-tying dreams. As for Edwin, he found himself gaining access to everything he had ever wanted. Fame, glory, and enough money to buy the golden flute he had always dreamed of for his next performance. Because the birds were stolen from a smaller museum, it took the employees several months to realize how many of their specimens were missing. And despite his intricate planning, Edwin's confidence had made him sloppy, and he failed to cover his tracks while selling the birds online. The overzealous fly-tying community didn't help him either. Their excitement over Edwin's stash, regardless of his origin, helped lead the police right to the culprit. It was a chance remark by the user FlutePlayer1988 that had flagged authorities. The user posted that they'd been only raising funds to buy a golden flute and had lucked into a treasure trove of exotic birds. Edwin was arrested in October of 2010 and confessed just a few weeks later. With an admission of guilt, there was no trial, only sentencing. Edwin's defense attorney claimed their client had Asperger's syndrome, and in April 2011, the judge made his ruling, a 12-month suspended sentence, alongside paying back 13,000 pounds that Edwin had made from selling the skins online. When the news broke, Rist was shunned from the entire flight-tying community. After completing his sentence, Edwin Riss graduated from London's Royal Academy of Music. 
He moved to Germany and he still continues to play the flute there to this day, albeit under a different name. In the end, no matter the reason for Edwin Riss' actions, no punishment can bring back the scientific value of the specimens that were lost. Each bird skin held potential for scientific discovery. Today, some museum specimens that are hundreds of years old are still studied by scientists. They can use them to find out how bird populations have evolved over time, they can sample feathers for genetic markers, and even pick up traces of human impacts on the molecular level. Of the intact birds that were recovered from Edwin's theft, only about a hundred still had their labels. And those that were separated from the tags, well, those feathers just become indifferent from any other feather you'd find in a park. Simply put, these specimens lost all of their historical and scientific significance. It's bad enough that many of these skins weren't recovered, but the loss of potential scientific breakthroughs cannot be overstated. Most of the species taken by Riss from the collection are endangered, and it's because some of these birds never truly recovered from the plume hunts of the late 19th century that led to the popularity of fly tying in the first place. With the looming threat of climate change, many species with increasingly fragile habitats are on the brink of extinction, and they're projected to disappear within the next 50 years if we do not take action. Next week, Jeremy brings us an interesting story about an inside job in Pittsburgh. In 2017, an audit in the Carnegie Library in Pittsburgh discovered that $8 million worth of items from their special collections room was missing. I will tell you the story of the incredible theft by the man that was entrusted to manage the collection and the nearby bookseller that he used to sell the items from this historical heist. <laughs>